could find his or her way around the wall of woman she was. Not even me. I held out my hand. Fine, I mumbled. She speaks, Vern assessed, her oversized green eyes lighting up with surprise. Vern wasn't being sarcastic for a change. Because of the meds, I didn't speak often these days, except for swear words and also because I didn't have anyone I wanted to talk to, except my mother when she was visiting, and, of course, Bale. Vern was the only one of the white coats I could even stand to be around. I had bitten Vern once, right after Dr. Harris had told me I couldn't see Bale last year. I had expected Vern to treat me differently after that, but she didn't. She was the same kind Vern. I always wanted to ask her why, but I never did. Did you have the dream again? Vern asked, with the same level of anticipation she had for the next episode of The End of Almost, one of her stories that we watched during supervised recreation hours. I shook my head, a lie my body told automatically. They encouraged talking about the subconscious at Whitaker, but I didn't like to. I was determined to keep my dreams mine and no one else's. Even though they were often twisty and dark, they were the only place I got to be close to Bale. I had slipped and told Vern once, a fact she would not let me forget. Last night's dream had been Bale-free and a little stranger than usual. The tree was in it again, huge and looming, taking up the whole sky. Then there was that thing. The memory of it flooded in, distracting me, pulling me back into the cold, dark water. Patiently, Vern waited for me to sit up, pulled out a fresh pair of Whitaker gray sweats for me to wear, and sighed a heavy, breezy exhale that denoted her disappointment. I slipped out of my paper-thin cotton pajamas in front of her and caught a glimpse of my reflection in the plastic mirror on the door of my closet. Since the kiss, I was still searching for whatever it was about me that had spooked Bale. My face looked the same to me. Brown eyes, pale skin because of the lack of sun. The trail of white scars tracked down one side of my body, most densely on my left arm. Despite multiple surgeries, my arm and torso would forever bear the web-like tattoo of the day that had brought me here. The white streaks that wove through my ash-blonde hair had grown only more pronounced this year. Vern blamed it on the new drug cocktail, but I didn't see any other patients going gray, and plenty of us in Ward D were taking the same prescription. Maybe we should put some new art up. You're getting really good, said Vern. I shrugged, but I felt a surge of pride well up underneath the gesture. I had begun drawing as therapy, but I kept doing it for me. Sometimes I drew the other patients. A lot of my drawings were of Bale. There were dozens of them, in fact. I drew the inmates as they were and as they wanted to be. Wing thought that she was an angel or something, so I gave her wings. 
Cord believed in time travel, so I'd drawn him anywhere or anytime he wanted to be. He once told Bale that he blinked from place to place. That was what he called it, blinking. He could come and go from the signing of the Declaration of Independence in a single blink. Time was infinite and different for him. I envied him that. I would give anything to blink back in time to before the kiss with Bale. Sometimes I sketched Whitaker. The asylum had a lot of rooms, but there was a dividing line between what the parents saw and what the patients saw. My room was pretty spare. White sheets and walls, a white cabinet, a full-length plastic mirror on my closet door, plus a small white desk. The only decorations at all were the drawings hung everywhere with duct tape. I had Vern to thank for that. The rest of Whitaker looked like an English manor.